think one of the big lessons is, as I mentioned earlier, like I'm not afraid to fail. And I honestly think that's made me somewhat successful in a few different endeavors. I'm not afraid to look stupid if I feel like my gut is telling me it's the right move. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Chris Harder Show. I have one of the best shows ever for you today. I have the amazing brother-sister combo, Mike Lee and Angie Lee, two of my dear, dear, dear friends and founders of Soul CBD, the eight-figure CBD juggernaut that so many of you people already use and love. Like Their story is awesome, how they went from Mike being a professional boxer and Angie being an influencer and coach and author to starting this incredible product company. I know a lot of you listening have a product company on your mind or you're just started one and you're going to learn a lot about marketing and should you or should you not start, et cetera, in this episode. I promise this, this is one of my favorite episodes. Plus, we're all just really fun and funny together. If you don't know who Angie Lee is, she's an incredible speaker, like one of the best speakers out there, influencer, entrepreneur, marketing genius. And she's the co-founder of, of course, Soul CBD, but also the author of the upcoming book, Ready is a Lie. And that in itself, we talk a little bit about, about you know, the feeling of having to be ready is such a lie. Mike is a world-ranked professional boxer. Like he was literally training to be the best in the world, had a great professional career, and he's fought in some of the best iconic arenas like Madison Square Garden and Cowboy Stadium and MGM Grand in front of millions of fans. Like he's the real deal. And Soul CBD was formed because Mike was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that almost ended his career. And, you know, obviously he, he loved being a boxer. He didn't want to end his career. So he was in and out of hospitals for two years trying to solve the problem. They put him on a, a ton of medications. He didn't want to be on medications. And that began his search for something natural that could help him continue his career. And that's we discovered CBD. So we're going to talk all, we're going to talk everything about building a company from scratch. Should you, should you not? What should you do? What are their marketing hacks? Because they're marketing geniuses, you name it. And at the end, we're going to give you a very special offer. You can actually go to mysoulcbd.com. Use Chris as the coupon code and get 15% off if you want to try it. But don't even do that right now. Wait till you get through the episode because by the end, you're going to want to try their stuff. You're going to want to support them. You're going to want to be a part of this amazing ethos that's going on right now. So get ready. Listen up. Take some notes because here All right, we go. Mike, Angie, my dear friends, welcome to the show. How are you doing? We're so excited to be here. I wish, I literally wish that people could have seen and heard everything that we were just talking about before this because like that's the real moment right there. That's how I would tell you how fat I am, how I got to get in shape for summer, all the good stuff. Add it in. You got to hit record right away. Don't even let your guests know that immediately they're being recorded. I know. I dropped the ball there. I love that. That's one of my favorite things about you, Chris, is that you're unfiltered, you're weird, you're goofy. I like that. You are permission to be weird for the world. You already know that. Like that's That makes me so happy. That makes me so happy. (laughs) So here's what's kind of cool is you guys have such opposite audiences 
that either half of my audience knows of Mike or the other half knows of Angie, but probably not each other as much. So I want to start by doing something kind of fun. If you had to give a one-minute dissertation on what in the hell you were doing and who you were before you founded Soul CBD, what would that sound like? Mike, you go first. Well, I could make it even shorter. I used to get punched in the face for a living and now I sell hemp. So it's a really, <laughs> really quick intro. But no, I, so I was a professional boxer, an athlete for 10 plus years. I got signed by top rank right out of the amateurs and had an incredible career. I'm so grateful for 10 years in some of the world's most iconic arenas. I got to fight in Madison Square Garden and Cowboy Stadium. And my last fight was for a a big world title on pay-per-view at MGM Grand in Las Vegas. So finished with 22 fights, had a great, great run, won some titles, lost some fights, but uh, most importantly, just chased my dream. And that was it. Like even when people thought I wasn't good enough or strong enough, and obviously as an athlete, you deal with a lot of that. So transitioning into becoming an entrepreneur, I think was, I don't want to say easy, but being an athlete before was really, really helpful. I think you learn a lot about getting knocked down literally and physically and getting back up and most importantly, not being afraid to get embarrassed and uh, try new stuff. And so uh, I've retired two years now and just grateful now that I'm not getting punched in the face anymore. <laughs> Dude, I, a couple of things. One, we're going to circle back to those traits that you take from when you're a professional athlete that flows into business and, and what some of those parallels are for sure. My favorite thing, though, that I got to tell the audience is when you came on Guy's trip, the snowboarding trip last year, I felt like we could pick fights with anybody and be fine because you would, you know, just knock them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that might be a felony. So I, I usually try to stay away from it. But yeah, yeah, by law, you're a lethal weapon, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that. It's pretty cool to be friends with a lethal weapon. All right. And the other lethal weapon. I, uh, what's your one minute summary? I punch people in the face for a living. <laughs> <laughs> with your greatness. With honesty. With my weird. Oh my gosh. That's funny because when Mike first started fighting and we would be out somewhere, I'd be like, do you think you could beat him up? Like just being so curious. He's like, I don't know, Ange, why are you asking me that? I'm like, could you beat him up? He's like, probably. I don't know. That's a weird question. I'm not going to go beat that random guy. Up oh my God. That, but that's, see, like a professional fighter is such a rare thing at the ranks at which Mike boxed at. It's kind of fun to do those things because it is fascinating to think that they have skill sets that are ninja-like that other people just can't compete with. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I've, I've been a content creator, speaker, entrepreneur, influencer. My career's similar to you and Lori. It's been very multi-passionate, very multi-dimensional, wearing many different hats with this. And when Mike and I started this, that's when I was doing a lot of live events. I was really growing my audience, sharing about health, wellness, business, marketing, and my podcast was growing. And that's when Mike and I came together and he was like, Hey, we should get into this as a business. We're both using this already and we love it. What do you think? And we didn't really have any DTC experience, but little did we know that we started before we were ready and it ended up being such a gift. Yeah, so we have definitely have different backgrounds. Mine's been social media, marketing, speaking, content creation, very heavy in that, which you know. And Mike came from a world where he wasn't thinking about those things every day, obviously. He was fighting, he was training, he wasn't thinking about marketing and posting on social. So <laughs> very different worlds. So we're going to use a couple of terms that I think we should define right out of the gates. You said DTC, which is direct to consumer, right? So when you sell direct to the consumer, your product, and they get on like memberships, auto ships, that kind of thing. So when you hear DTC, that's what they mean. You're probably going to hear CPG, it's consumer packaged goods. So food products, wellness products, those types of things, anything in a package that you buy. So as you guys hear some of those definitions, that's what we're talking about. So let's lean into that. You guys both had obviously very different backgrounds. Why in the world did you start a CPG DTC <laughs> company? <laughs> DTC, CBG, 
CBD. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, there you go. that's brutal. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> For me, it really started not as a business, but more of just an idea to help people. And I think that as you look at some of the greatest companies, they always start with the why. And for us, it really started with that why. You know, I, throughout my career, had gone through so much physical pain and even mental pain and ended up opening up about anxiety and depression and a lot of things I went through publicly. And I found that CBD was one of the great tools that helped me get all natural relief. And that was so important for me. I mean, I was diagnosed with autoimmune disease midway through my career that almost completely ended my career. And at one point I was on eight different medications. And so for me, and I'm sure, you know, anybody listening right now that's gone through chronic illness, you know, you have this sense of like hopelessness. And when I discovered CBD amongst many other things like breathing techniques, meditation, different nutrition, it was really opening my eyes to this world that, wow, there's more tools here in the tool belt to try out and it's low risk, high reward. So I first started trying CBD, zero THC for a while, and I was getting drug tested and WADA actually approved it in 2017. So it was really important for me to work with my team, my agent, make sure I was okay. And once I found the results just to be incredible, and as I mentioned, low risk, high reward, I told Angie about it and she was dealing with anxiety too, being on stage, speaking to thousands of baby grandmas. And it ended up being something where we were like, we have to share this message and help people. And I had one or two more fights left in my career. So it was really a side project. It was something we just wanted to help people. And little do we know, 16 employees later and thousands and thousands of orders, how big it would get. But it really started with that why for us, I think. This is an eight-figure company. That's a serious accomplishment. Was that the goal from the beginning? Like the minute you said, okay, if we do this, we're going to go big. Or was it truly just like side hustle, help a couple people, and then it accidentally blew up? I would say the latter. What's funny about this is, I remember when our first order came in and we didn't know who it was and we were so excited and it started with one of Angie's little side bedrooms, me literally labeling. And the timing actually was serendipitous because the fight before one of these belts behind me, I won. I had a big fight on CBS, got me to number three in the world, but I broke my rib in that fight. By far, one of the worst pains of my life. Got back to the dressing room after the fight. I won the fight, finished back to the dressing room, collapsed. They had wow. to rush me to the hospital. Damn. And I was in the hospital until about 4 a.m. Angie was there. So that was one of the pivotal moments in my life and career to where I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm 20 fights in. Let me get another big fight or two in and then quit and retire. But I remember that moment in the hospital being like, well, my rib is broken. I'm going to be out like a good six months. The hell am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And this idea was swirling around of the CBD before. And I was like, wow, maybe this is God or the universe pointing me in that direction because I went all in on this until I was ready to heal and start training again. You know what I love about what you just described? You were already a very successful professional boxer. You know, tons of people in the world already know who you were. And you were already so successful as an influencer, as a, a, a celebrity coach. Everyone in the world knew who you were. And yet here's a visual of you guys working in one of her spare bedrooms, putting labels on shit. Like that's some real <laughs> stuff right there on how things start. That is super awesome that you guys are willing to to take that ground up approach. Yeah, I think a lot of most companies, that's how they start is pretty grassroots because you first want proof of concept. We wanted to make sure it was first a thing that people wanted. And so Mike was smart with saying, okay, let's start lean. Let's start as lean as we can, get some proof of concept, get some testimonials. And then from there we can expand. And so he's logic, he's reason, he's earth. I'm, you know, I live in the clouds. I'm like, okay, we're going to have bright, pink boxes and and we're going to add in all of this stuff. And he's like, whoa, we have not made a dollar yet. Like we can't do this stuff, you know? So I'm like 
head in the clouds, big creative dreamer. And I remember he was like, to start Angie, we are literally going to ship this out of your guest room in LA. We are going to be the people who do that in the beginning. And I think there's actually value to that. You not only do you grow with the company, it's almost like a baby that you're raising. But I think that Mike literally, especially as a CEO, he knows every single element of the business. If he had to run it tomorrow out of his house, he probably could, (laughs) except that'd be a lot of boxes and stuff. Like he could do it, you know, and they, they say that in some professions, it's healthy to know what happens behind the camera, in front of the camera, and just know all angles of it. So you have the awareness and the knowledge. So then when you do outsource, it's easier to say, Hey, I've done it before. Actually, this is how it should be done. So it wasn't until we started making some money that we were able to have fun and outsource and do all of the stuff we are now. But you know, the first, I mean, you guys have light pink coming up and working on it. It's been a the first, it's not fun in the beginning nope. necessarily, parts of it. So, and Mike had to literally label well, and especially, from the very first package, so and especially CBD, it's a unique industry because there's so many restrictions. You can't advertise mm. the way that other people can. You can't do Facebook ads the way other people can. Same thing with Lori with the alcohol brand. Like, it's tough enough to start a business and make it successful. You add in those headwinds, and it's no joke. So, Angie, when Mike brought this idea to you, like, hey, you know, we should do this, was it a hell yes, I'm in, or was there any concern about wait, how's the relationship as a brother sister dynamic going to be? Tell me about when he brought it to you. I think I was born with a little bit of a, I worry about some other stuff in life, but I'm not scared to try things when it comes to business. I love the idea of trying something and seeing if it works. I love investing money. I love spending money. I like throwing the chips in. What does Brett Johnson say? Scared money, don't make money. Like, I love that. I just, I'm I'm a little crazy like that. I, I think that those are the people that become successful are the ones who are not afraid to try the thing. So for me, I was not gonna be the person to say, no, let's not do this. I was 100% in. I just needed a second to say, okay, how does this actually work now? What, how does this logically work? Because I could see the vision. I could see this growing into something. And my biggest thing and, and the, the shared passion that Mike and I have around taking chances and starting before you're ready and all of that is the pain of regret. So we basically asked ourselves, okay, if we do this and it fails, will we regret mm. trying? Will we regret this? Or will we regret not trying at all, right? Great I think that's what question. you're always... That's what you're always weighing out. Well, we regret if we lose some money and we put about $60,000 in, $70,000 in. And he said, you know, if we never see that again, will we be okay? Like, or if we lose some money from this, will we be okay? And so I think it's being honest about, is it worth the risk of it? And so that's when we were, it was a heck yes. Once we realized we might as well try. Now, what's funny is Mike and I actually had a food distribution company together. What year was that, Mike? I did not know this. I a little side hustle <laughs> as well that we hired some people to run it. I think that was like 2013. Selling donuts, yeah. crepes. I was 23. A healthy food delivery. I uh, This is before all the, the freshy companies were, were thriving. So I was a futurist, let's just say, <laughs> in this way. But I was like, Mike, there needs to be something where there's healthy food delivered to people's doorsteps. Let's do this. Let's start this business. Not knowing that the restaurant and food business is quite possibly the worst business to ever go into because food spoils and then you go bankrupt. <laughs> You know, so we did that, you know, had ups and downs. We ended that obviously. And so it was interesting to try something again, which had, you know, it wasn't food, but again, it was that, that interesting coming together again of, Hey, let's do something. Let's try something out. So you kind of already knew that you guys would work well together. Yeah. You know, I think we have, we have strengths and weaknesses and we complement each other really well. Mike is extremely intelligent. He went to the university of Notre Dame. Mike is the smarter child, you know, (laughs) Mike understands spreadsheets and a lot of those things. And I'm, I would say I'm very largely right brain creative, thinking outside the box, doing the scary thing. And I think Mike's actually grown in that area though, too. I think he used to be a little bit more risk adverse, Mm -hmm. but now he's more open-minded to trying some stuff. But 
No, I, I've never wondered about it ruining our relationship or anything because I know we're so close that at the end of the day, I'm always going to choose Mike over business or anything. Or even when there has been times where he's come to me or, or whatnot talking about stuff, he has really great emotional intelligence and communication skills, yeah. especially as a man. I, I give him credit for that. So it's never been awkward. It's never been weird. I, I can, he's, he's good at just being honest and keeping it family first. That's so. Cool. Yeah. I've never worried about that. I've more just worried about like, oh man, I, am I, I'm dreaming so big. This, I, you know, this idea is stupid. And if I don't have integrators or people who can help execute that, then it could get messy that way. So yeah. Mike, you talked about leveraging some of the strengths that you built literally and figuratively from your professional boxing career. As you guys have hit headwinds doing this, can you think of any moments that you went back to in your career where you didn't want to get off the mat or something like that. And you're like, all right, fuck it. I'm getting up. And then that applied to when you hit headwinds in business. And you said, all right, fuck it. We're getting up. Absolutely. I mean, I've been hit so hard, dropped to the mat, literally counting seven, eight, nine, and got back up in front of thousands of people. I've been one big fights with knockouts, jumped on the ropes. I've gotten knocked out. I think one of the big lessons is, as I mentioned earlier, like I'm not afraid to fail. And I honestly think that's made me somewhat successful in a few different endeavors. I'm not afraid to look stupid if I feel like my gut is telling me it's the right move. One of the biggest takeaways I think I learned as an athlete was you've got to put your ego down and you have to surround yourself with smart people. I had a world-class team, nutritionist, trainer, assistant trainer, everybody on the team was there supporting me. Right. And there were times when I felt like I was right and they were wrong, but I'd put down my ego, which is really tough considering when you hop in the ring, you consider you're the baddest dude on the planet. That's just how you have to feel in there. I took that ideology and that emotional intelligence that Angie mentioned. It's how I became one of the best fighters in the world. I took that with this business. I've got a rock star team that and their own verticals are smarter than me. I'm not afraid to admit it. In fact, I enjoy saying that because cohesively, we work really well together. And whether it's head of digital, head of marketing, you know, head of paid ads, whatever it is, that person is much smarter, more experienced than me. And that's how you build a great team. When you have your ego on every single minute detail, it'll crash and burn, especially as you start to scale the way we're scaling. So I think that's one of the things that I learned through a 10-year career that I wouldn't have known and I would have really messed it up along the way hadn't I gone through that. Dude, that is so good. I love that you shared that. I always say ego is your greatest overhead, right? It'll cost you more than anything else, than any bad mm. business decision, Then, right? it'll Nothing will cost you more than ego. I'm so glad that that's one of the parallels that you just brought to this. All right, so as two people who were and still are personal brands, what's been the best part and then what's been the toughest part about building a different type of company, a CPG, DTC, CBD company? You nailed it. I nailed it. That's practicing in my head. I would say there has been some difficulties with it being CBD, obviously, but now we are expanding into soul wellness, which is we are a wellness brand who happens to have CBD as one of our main ingredients. So we're really expanding from that now, which is really exciting and something I've always wanted to do. So I think that will be really smart for us on a marketing perspective as well. And when it comes to ads and, you know, ironically over the last two years, a lot of people actually were shopping from home more even. Mm -hmm. So we've seen the power of DTC. We've seen how that is how people consume now. So I don't know, Mike, you chime in on this, what you think yeah. has been the, the biggest issues with this, but I don't know. And talk about with retail too, why we haven't and things like that, because I think we're realizing we actually see more power in us focusing on influencer marketing and going ham on DTC than trying to get into some stores right now. 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of complications with CBD in general, even though all of our products are zero THC in some ways can still be scheduled and considered different by the FDA. But having said that, I mean, on the personal brand side, Angie's the rock star when it comes to that. Like she has this incredible personal brand. She loves being on camera. She's funny. She's smart. That's why her audience is what it is engaged. To be honest, I've kind of struggled with that personal brand. I've done so many different interviews throughout my entire career and love being interviewed and everything, but I got into the sport to become the best fighter. It just so happened to be that media came along with that. So to be honest, Chris, that's something I need to work on. And I see Angie doing it, yourself doing it. You guys do incredibly with that. I'm just not super comfortable with, with the IG and all that. And I need to get better. But in terms of everything with, with CBD, I think that leaning on personal brands like Angie's or other affiliates or influencers that we have is massively important because we can't advertise our product the same way we want to on Facebook and Instagram, for instance. So we have to rely on brand awareness and testimonials from our audience. So us really doubling down on that has been massive. And us staying out of retail, I think, has been important too, because when you are a direct-to-consumer company, you own those assets. So we have a massive email list and a bunch of data, and I can break down exactly what our demographic is, where they're from, why they're shopping, how many products they're buying, what products they're buying. When you're in retail, it's very difficult to do that with that type of data. And so we ended up taking what should be a hurdle and turning it into a positive thing and really doubling down on data since direct consumer can be really friendly with all the plugins and Shopify and all the different apps and doubling down on the channels that are giving us the highest ROI, return on investment. So good. Angie, as somebody who was seen as like a course creator and speaker and all that stuff before, we have so many of those individuals that listen to the podcast. Would you recommend that they shift or highly consider building a product company or should they just keep doing what they're doing? I think the answer isn't yes or no. I think it's nuanced because I think it depends, one, how long you've been building an audience. So the beauty of digital courses and the educational space is the overhead is a lot lower than the product that we've had to purchase and the team we've had to build for soul, right? I could launch a course tomorrow on how to do jumping jacks. I don't know, just <laughs> something random. I'm just pulling out Very of my butt. Very in demand. It is in demand right now. How to do jumping jacks, put it on the internet, put it on my Kajabi, which is like, what, a hundred bucks a month to host. I have my audience buy it from me and I'm going to profit 99% of that. It's incredible. It's a space that I'll always love and always appreciate. I still have a passive course out there, but there's something about a physical product that really excites me. And yeah. that's where I've really stepped more into the influencer space, I'll say, versus just a course creator educator space. I love the thought. Like nothing gets me more excited than when a girl tags me and she's like, I'm taking sleepy right now. And it's on her kitchen table. And I'm like, that's so cool. I'm in her house. Yeah. Like a part of our brand and what we do is in her house and she's loving it and it's helping her. There's something cool about that. There's something cool about being able to touch your product, like actually physically touch it. So I think it depends your goals. If you want to be a pure educator and start with the core space, I think it's phenomenal, especially if in the beginning, you don't have a lot of funds to put into a yeah. team or to buy products. I say definitely start digital. And then once you have some capital decide, okay, now do I want to add on merchandise or a physical product? And assess from there if that's your personality, if that's what you want to do, if you have a product you're obsessed with and you can build a team. But if not one of those things, I wouldn't just start a physical product line with no audience, no capital, and no passion for it. We waited until, you know, I had an audience when we started. It wasn't millions, but I definitely had an, an audience. And I do think that I'm very transparent and, and honest about that. I'm very transparent and honest that the years and years of me 
talking to myself or slash the audience online (laughs) was a lot of hard work. You know, it doesn't look like it is, but it's like showing up every freaking day, answering every single DM, putting out content, hosting events. I mean, having this super engaged audience and then launching a product, of course, that's a lot easier to have a more successful launch than if I started tomorrow and my one follower was my mom and I want to launch a t-shirt line. So this is why I'm huge on like, brand is everything. Brand is everything. Once you've built brand, you have optionality. And that's always been my goal is when I started this, I've always known I'm multi-passionate. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but all I knew is that I wanted options. And so what's been cool about this is it it keeps reminding me that as as long as I keep building brands, it only helps soul grow. And it only helps me to always have more options because who knows what I'll be doing in five, 10 years. So it's interesting that we're in the time of, and you and Lori are seeing this with light pink. It's like, brand and community first, and then the product. A lot of people want to launch the product first. I'm like, no, build an audience first, even a little bit, even five, 10,000 people build an audience first and then launch a product based on what they're saying they want help with. Don't just come out with a product because listen, you could have the greatest product in the world, but marketing is the oxygen of your business. If you could have the greatest product, but if people don't know about it, it sits there on the so shelf. Good. So, so good. that's my thoughts on it. I think no, it's when you can't spot do it, you should on. wait a bit. That's a yeah. great answer that really helped people determine, should I do it or not? And should I do it right now or not? Like audience first, for sure. You know, Lori was feeling kind of down. We were listening to a podcast the other day and it was with someone who started a beverage company and everything they talked about was how hard it was and how hard this was and how hard that was. And of course it's hard, but sometimes that can kind of get you down. And, and so she was feeling mm-hmm. a little bit down, like, oh, I feel defeated when I hear this. I go, babe, this guy was starting his beverage company with like six nickels to rub together and four followers. Like you've got... She's got 30, actually, I think she's creeped up about 40 million downloads on her podcast, yeah. like the whole nine years. I'm like, these are advantages that you spent years building. So your journey isn't going to be their journey, right? So I love that yeah. you talked about building that journey first. You yeah. guys are marketing geniuses. And, and we've already talked about how hard it is to advertise something like CBD, right? There's restrictions mm. that other people don't have. And we've also referenced that you've built this amazing eight-figure brand, which I'm just so proud of you guys to say. I remember when I started, I freaking love that you guys have built this thing. So what are one or two marketing hacks specifically that you guys have used to really grow your product company? As I mentioned earlier, one of the big things is our affiliate program. And when I don't, when I say affiliates, I don't mean influencers and this might not be rocket science, but at the end of the day, we're finding that when you go out and find someone that just has a million followers, 2 million followers, and you spend a ton of capital and money, you sit there and you hope for the orders to come in. Sometimes they don't. Yep. An analogy that Clay always likes to use is the Kanye peanut butter thing. So Kanye West, obviously known for his music, sells incredible clothing and fashion. But if you have a peanut butter brand, are you going to go to Kanye West just because he has that following? It doesn't align, right? It's not authentic. And that's really what it comes down to for us. So one of the quick, easy hacks that we've done is we found more micro, let's call them influencers that are authentic. And I'd rather have an army of those people that are vocal and speak about it in an authentic manner than have one or two big influencers, a million followers. And what we've seen, once again, back to the data, that that's really what's worked for us. We've seen lower sales with those big followers and much better with the army of of micros. And also in terms of capital and and management, it just makes things a lot easier. Bro, so spot on. I've got this theory that People with like, you know, 1 million, 2 million, 5 million followers. At that point, people are following them out of voyeurism. Not because they're interested in anything that they're doing or Mm -hmm. have to say, oh, they must be important. I want to peek in on their life and see if they mess up or see, right? It's just voyeurism. Whereas someone with 5,000 followers or 15,000 followers or whatever, people are still at that level following them because they really resonate 
with what they have to say. They really feel that person. They get that person. And they're going to take a recommendation a hundred times more than someone who's following the person with two million followers just for voyeurism. Yeah. Ange, do you have any marketing hacks that yeah. work for you? I mean, obviously influencer marketing, of course, but also we have really good customer service. And I don't mean that mm. just our emails and, and we're on it and we're on top of it. And if something's wrong, we fix it. And we are going above and beyond because you guys know your consumers as well as producers, when you have a bad customer service experience, you don't tell your friends about it. So we are really, really good at that. And also our Instagram responding to every single question. If a girl tags me in something, Hey, how do you like it? Oh, awesome. So happier. Cool. Love that flavor too. Just something Smart. quick something to show that, Hey, I'm here. Is it time consuming? Absolutely. This is my full-time job though, to, to be a community builder. That's literally my job. So it's like talking to people and asking them questions. What did you like? What flavor did you like? I mean, it might seem silly, but you do that for years and years. And now you've built a fan base who knows that a founder can respond to them, which is awesome. I try my best. Obviously a founder can respond to them. They can actually have their questions answered. And you know, that Instagram kind of is now one of the new platforms where people almost treat it like email with brands. They'll DM questions all day long. And, and I notice when brands don't respond to me, I'm like, Hey, come on. I could have been a huge customer for you. You know, the other day I was about to buy from this clothing line and spend a few hundred bucks. And I asked them a simple question about, is this shirt still in stock? They have not responded to me. And I went on, I spent $500 on this brand, but I'm kind of pissed. Cause I'm like, you didn't respond to my one DM. I'm, I'm going to be a huge customer for you guys, but you didn't have the audacity to even just be like, Oh yeah, here's the link. I mean, listen, if you cannot hire someone yet to be in the DMS to do that, a VA or community manager, then you got to rethink business because business now, consumers are so much smarter. The audience is smarter than they used to be five, six years ago. People know now what brands smell fake and what seems authentic and ones that actually care and humans winning. Being human is winning right now. Being authentic and honest and unfiltered and human is the most attractive thing in marketing right now. Whether you have a physical product, a course, I don't care what you're selling. That's what people want right now because we've all been screwed over so much by so many brands that if you get a brand that's raw and real and genuine and honest. And even if we mess up, we're honest, like that's what's working. And then what I love and what's honest, you know? So we're good at that. And we're trying to continuously be very transparent like that. Yeah. If I could double down on that, I mean, that was so well said. I'm, I'm glad you brought up customer service. Most people don't consider customer service a marketing channel, but by far customer service is probably one of the most important marketing channels that you have. And Angie is killer at it. I'm phenomenal at it. Our team is great at it. It takes time, resources, but it's so, so important that you have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with your customer, no matter how big you get. And that's what how you compete against $100 million marketing budgets of Coca-Cola, Nike, McDonald's. They'll never have that one-on-one. -on -one. I can't talk to Phil Knight tomorrow about my shoes. So, but with Angie, no matter how big we get, she drops in there. I drop in there. Our customer service is on point. That's massively important. And I think that's been a huge reason for our really high customer return rate. Damn, that's good. I love that's a very original answer. And I freaking love it because it's so important. Talk to me about using investor money. If I remember correctly, I think you guys sold a portion of Soul CBD very early on, like earlier than most people would to an investor. Do you recommend using investor money? Do you not recommend using investor money? Talk to us about that. That is a total question in terms of what you're looking for, what you need. We took angel investment early on. And it was a very strategic investment. And that was not just for the capital, but also for help. When I raised that round, I had just signed a contract fight for the world title. I had multi-city press tours. I was training to be the world champion. So I needed capital. I needed help to really build my business and hire those really smart people that I mentioned. So we could have got there, but I think at that time in my life, I was so spread thin that I, I really needed that 
it really comes down to the vision you see for the business. I think capital can be great, but capital and debt can also be a detriment to you, your business, and your lifestyle. If you go out to venture capital and you give away way too much of your business, you've got to keep in mind as a founder that it's really about those board seats. And if you lose control of the board, you could literally be voted out of your company, your baby, something you put blood, sweat, and tears into at any point. So be very smart and diligent about who you're investing with. It's just like a marriage. That's my biggest advice for anybody, whether it's angel, venture, private equity. If you say you need to go out there and do that, this is a marriage. So no matter what's on the contract, you need to think about that relationship and what you're going to do with that capital and what happens if things go south. Is this the type of marriage that you want to be in with? And sometimes if your gut feeling is telling you no, then you need to walk away from that. Having said that, there's a lot of tools right now like ClearCo, Wayflyer, Pipe. There's a bunch of different companies out right now that are funding direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies that are based on recurring sales. So you could do as little as like 10 grand in your Shopify site once you're up and running and you can start to get a good amount of capital with relatively low interest rates. So 2022, you can get capital. The market is flush with capital, but just make sure it's smart capital. Don't say yes to every dollar because all dollars aren't equal. Dude, so good. Mention those sites again. Yeah, ClearCo is one. They're out of Canada. Great with e-commerce. They funded, I think, $24 $24 billion. No, I don't have affiliate code or anything. Um, <laughs> you got Wayflyer, which is another one, W-A-Y-F-L-Y-E-R. And then uh, Pipe is the third one I've heard of. So a lot of them are revenue-backed companies. So they will literally just dive into your analytics and Shopify and from there give you a line of credit of sorts. And that can be really important too, because that's a great way to take cash out without eating into your equity. Yeah, brilliant. I'm glad you shared that. Angie, anything you want to add to investors? I mean, that's Mike's wheelhouse. All right. I love it. <laughs> He's taught me so much about this. I literally would like take notes when I would ask him. I'm like, okay, wait. So we we we, we take this. Per- okay. And then we use it. And then we're going to get it back though, right? He was like, yeah, but this is how it works. <laughs> that's what I love though about this working dynamic. Like if anyone's listening, go find a business partner that is the opposite of your skill sets, right? Instead yeah, of trying yeah. to do and learn everything. Yeah. I freaking love that. Let's but talk- I think it's also the honesty of like, I like to be honest with people about that because I think a lot of people think you have to know all of this to start. And my messaging around Ready is a Lie is literally Mike's had to learn even more of this as he's been the CEO of this. So it's not like Mike had all the answers about DTC and cannabis and investment and all of this experience and then started this. He said, okay, I know a little bit, but if I jump in, I'll learn even more. And if I get messy and I embarrass myself and I just start... I'm going to learn even more. And so that's what Ready is a Lie is about. And so I like to be honest with people because I think they assume that Mike and I just were these geniuses who said, all right, now it's time to do this. And we have all of the answers. No, nobody does. Nobody does. So it's like, right, Mike? I mean, you still, I feel like you've learned even more in the last three years about I'm investment. still learning. I'm still yeah. learning. I'm so glad you it's said complex. that too, because it probably sounds like I have it all together. I just fake it till I make it. Mm-hmm. I'm still doing that. Even in my boxing career, like even before I raised this capital, you know, raised some money, I'd never done it to this scale. I was literally YouTubing, Googling, calling friends. I was just like going to my own business school and then I made mistakes and then I learned from them and I'm going to make a ton more mistakes. So I'm glad you said that, Ange, because I still don't have it all together. I'm still learning. God, this is all so freeing and empowering. I love that you guys are talking about all this right now. By the way, Ange, ready is a lie. I'm so freaking excited for that book to come out. When's that thing dropping? 
I think it's finally going to come out now. You know, I think the world needs it. It's been a crazy last few years and I, I didn't know if the world needed it, but now I feel like the world do might need it. Do you need, need accountability? It, so. Like, do we need to have you set a well, date or do a scary you, dare? <laughs> scary? But Chris, you know, I'm not embarrassed by much. So it's got to be a dare that would embarrass me. Like, go streaking? Okay, I'll go streaking outside. I don't care. <laughs> it's got to be something that would actually you know, cause fear in you. And that's tough to find. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to noodle on that because I really like that idea of, of accountability and finding something. But you know, what's interesting though, is I'm so grateful actually that I didn't publish it two years ago when I wanted to, because the way I see it now is a little different. Mm. I think the term does not just mean in business. I think it's so applicable to relationships and people mention this with kids and just every area of your life. You're never ready to show up, to raise your hand, to have the courageous conversation, to start the business, to, to be a parent, like whatever it is, fill in the blank. And, and I want this message to hit people where it should hit them. You know, I had a woman message me the other day and it was really, really beautiful. I actually uh, screenshot it and was like, shit, this, this is one of those moments where you're like, I got to do this. She said, your saying helped me so much. I'm in the hospital right now with my son who has cancer. He's eight years old. And I'm realizing that I'm not ready to be there for my son when he has cancer, but no one's ever ready to be there for their son when they're going through something. And I thought, wow, that girl literally took this saying that I made up and is applying it right now in the hospital. Like that is such a beautiful meaning to something that I originally thought meant, oh, just you're never ready to write a book or, or whatever. Oh, and yeah. my intention now is different behind it. My intention is maybe this can be a beautiful message that inspires people in different areas of their life, like not ready to lose weight or get in shape or, or whatever it looks like. So I don't know. I got that the other day and I thought, man, that's beautiful. I love that. We're going to find a way to make you get that book out ASAP because the world needs that thing. Let's talk Text me every day. At I will. I will. Let's talk specifically <laughs> about CBD. And I've yeah. got a very pointed question I want to ask. You always hear positive things about CBD, but I swear four out of five CBDs that I try, I don't feel anything. Like I want to, like I want to feel all the things, but four out of five of them, I don't. Yours, I do. get high, but this right? will make you high. No, seriously, yours, <laughs> I do feel the benefit. So what is the difference? Why do four out of five of them like suck, if I can be honest? And one out of five, you finally find something. So I think a huge reason for that, why this isn't FDA regulated yet is because they did a study actually two years ago and they took 50 of the top CBD brands, they found that 78% of them did not have the amount of CBD in there that they claim they did. It's the wild, wild west in our industry. And it's so difficult. It's similar to the nutraceutical supplement game. So you have to find a company that you trust in. And that's one thing we didn't talk about with marketing. We instill trust because First of all, I used to get drug tested all the time and my body was my asset as an athlete. So, you know, the fact that we do have zero THC and, and all that's really important. But one thing we do and go above and beyond is we do double third party lab testing and most companies don't do that. So when we're working with our farms, our suppliers, everything making the batch, we spend more money than we need to to double test every single batch to make sure there's no pesticides, no heavy metals. The CBD levels and the other cannabinoids are exactly what they say they are. It's honestly not the smartest with business if we're looking at just P&Ls, but I'm not going to give someone a product that I wouldn't feel comfortable giving to my mom, my sister, my friends, point blank. And it once again comes back to our why, why we started this. We didn't start this company to make money. We started to help people. And so that's probably a big reason why people aren't experiencing benefits CBD also, it's important to keep taking it. CBD is never like a one and done. People will feel effects, but similar to turmeric or other supplements, it works when you build it up in your body and find that right dosage and integrate it into your lifestyle. And we found that it becomes more efficacious if you take it day after day. 
In fact, most people almost notice when they stop taking CBD more than when they take it, which is a really interesting feedback we get from our customers. But we pride ourselves on the best organically farm hemp and, and highest practices. And, and for instance, we've had new product launches that we literally have taken back and not sold because they didn't meet the requirements. We've lost tens of thousands yeah. of dollars this year alone on certain products that Doing we the right delayed thing. our marketing to do the right thing. I mean, I literally think to put a number to it, we did just the other day on one of our products we we're about to launch. We've already lost like 60 to $70,000, but I don't care. Yeah. We'll make that back in tenfold. I'm not worried about that because I'm not going to put a product out there that didn't pass all the COAs. And to be honest, most companies wouldn't do that. So that's amazing. Then that's, you know, because I've known you guys for so long, I can literally double down on everything you just said. You're going to do it right or you're not going to do it at all. It's people first with you guys. I freaking love that. Angie, I just saw your dog, you know, hanging out in the background there. Talk to me about CBD and pets. What a segue. Have you done this before, Chris? <laughs> I've got one or two under the belt. Well, you have bananas. I have pickles. I feel like bananas. Great dogs' names. They're great. Bananas they go together. Pickles. Bananas, pickles. We need an egg and we've got a pancake. I will go get another dog just to name it eggs and pancakes. You don't have to dare me to go get more sheep and doodles and shit like that. Me. Yeah. What's fascinating is a lot of people first start with the pet line if they're nervous about CBD. And like they take it themselves or they give it to the no, pet No, no, they give it to their oh, pets. Okay. And then they'll say, oh my gosh, this worked on Skippy and he doesn't have anxiety anymore or his joints feel better or his inflammation's down. Or, you know, I use it for pickles when we travel with him on yeah. the plane, give him a few of the treats. He just relaxes a little bit. It's really nice. I'm I give him, him bananas when he has to go get groomed. He hates getting groomed. I don't know why. He flips a dick when he has to go get groomed. <laughs> and so we just seriously load him up and he's high as a kite and it's perfect. No, he just gets so yeah. chill. He doesn't, he doesn't have the anxiety. Yeah. Dogs yeah. respond to it super well. Any mammal, you know, will respond to it really well. And he, yeah, he loves it. I do it before bed, traveling. And it's phenomenal because I feel like dogs respond to it really quickly too. Sometimes with humans, we, mm. we need to have it build up in our system a bit. But pets, I mean, I'll get the funniest DMs. They're like, my cat's not crazy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure your cat is still crazy, Carol. Okay. <laughs> what happens if we actually, okay, wait, what if me, a human, takes the pet version? Anything? I mean, it just tastes like bacon, so it's kind of gross. Don't incentivize but... me. That's awesome. I'm really going to no. do it. No, I'm it's not like yummy bacon. <laughs> like yeah, pet bacon. No, I'll be honest here. We'll be transparent. It doesn't taste... The dogs think it tastes like bacon. The dogs love it, but I think I've tried it. It doesn't taste good. <laughs> you just saved me from a mouthful of something I wouldn't like. Yeah, it's not for humans. But I mean, you could take it. All the ingredients, they're all natural. Like it's obviously safe and you could. It's just... Dogs think it tastes delicious. I think it does. How do you we'll make- send you some and you tell us if it's gross. No, listen, <laughs> how do you make the damn orange ones taste so good? <laughs> that shit is crap. Secret. We'll, we'll tell you off air. Seriously. We'll tell you off air. I'm not kidding. Those are rare. That shit is the, crack. The orange gummies or the tincture? The, the gummies. gummies. Yep. Yeah. You know how hard it is it with light pink? You know, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is flavors. Yep. We feel like we're the best tasting CBD on the planet. That takes so much in R&D to try to figure out the taste profiles and going back and forth. And Angie and I are constantly in it as we're releasing new flavors. I'm sure it's the same when you worked with light pink. Yeah. It's like, it's one thing to have something that works, but to get it to taste good, it's really difficult. Yeah. No, especially covering up CBD, it could kind of have a taste to it, right? So to get taste is, is really awesome. Okay. So what's the exit plan, guys? Where's this thing going? 
$7 billion. And That's then, the number? So if we have someone listening right now, they're like, I'm going to give them $7 billion. $7 billion, you, me, Lori, Mike, Hannah, me, Clay, we're all going to go live in a mansion. I mean, that's Done. the exit And plan. then we'll film it and that'll be the next thing. <laughs> then it's like we like the real world of founders, though. But it'll be the real weird world of founders. <laughs> yeah. I mean, man, $7 billion. If we ever did that one day, that would be, uh, be an interesting Do you guys want to sell it? Do you want to IPO? Or do you just kind of want to, you know, baby this thing forever because you love it? Do you want to buy it right now, Chris? No, <laughs> no I'm just so curious. Because we talk You're so like, much about like, give us a number. Well, here's what's interesting is, is you know, you didn't begin this with an exit in mind. So mm. I was wondering if somewhere along the journey, you're like, I love this, but it'd be cool to get the windfall. And, you know, it doesn't mean you can't run it if you have an exit. A lot of times you get tied to it anyways. Or yeah. maybe you just want to keep printing money forever. I'm not personally married to either one. I think that what I would like as we continue to grow and scale is adding team members and capital to the business that can help us become the CBD brand. I think for us, we want to wait for retail regulations to kind of ease up because like a dream of mine is walk-in Target, for instance. I think we'd serve that market really well. Walk-in Target or Whole Foods or whatever it is and see our gummies on the shelf. I think that'd be a really cool moment. But obviously we start to think about an exit or what that looks like, but we want to be a part of this business no matter what. I think the brother-sister combo, we hired our my mom. Like we, It's a real family vibe. So Your mom's I don't want awesome, to lose by that. the way. You guys got a cool mom. Yeah. I bet she's we crushing out. <laughs> she is yeah. cool. She's in Scottsdale. I know. She's she, out here by us. She's the best. <laughs> where, so yeah. where can people get some? Just go to Mike's house. He's still shipping it out of his house. <laughs> I've Mike, got some right behind me. <laughs> Mike, give your address so all these people could show up at the doorstep. Especially the women. We had a van. We had a soul van. For Wait, a this sounds second. creepy. Did it have like children's yeah. music playing and you go around and like, come get your <laughs> yeah. soul CBD? We have candy. <laughs> it just said free candy on the side and spray paint. That will make you uh, feel And then good. our lawyers, our lawyers told us to get rid of it. Yeah. So they can visit mysoulcbd.com. We're basically entirely uh, direct consumer all online, all 50 states. If you're in Canada, I am sorry. Your country will not let us ship our stuff into your country. It's not our fault. But if you are in any of the 50 United States and a few select countries, we got you. MySoulCBD.com. And if they use coupon code Chris, we've arranged a 15% discount for them. Not because we want to be an affiliate, because I want them to try this shit. It's so good. So seriously, go to MySoulCBD.com. Use coupon code Chris. Get 15% off. We toyed with 115% off, but we feared that'd be a bad mm. business plan. But 15% is pretty awesome too. Actually, let's we'll do a giveaway right now. If you tag me, in this episode, tag me, Mike, and Chris in this. If you yeah. tag us, I'll see the DM. I'll see the tag. I'll send you another gummy. I'll send you something. I'll send you That's anything you want. Awesome. Okay, you guys. Why share, not? Let's add to it. Share this show, but <laughs> at least like share your takeaway. Like share yeah, something yeah. you appreciated about the show, about these two giving up their time. Tag all three of us, and Ange is going to make it rain with orange gummies. Yeah. I'll um, send you some orange gummies. Those are the best. <laughs> I love it. Listen, you already know that I love you guys, but I love what you shared today really good, actionable, inspiring stuff. Your story is awesome. You guys are awesome. And it's going to make a lot of people feel like they can go out and build something like this too. And, and that's the importance of you guys, obviously, coming on and sharing this way. Can I ask you one last question? Let's do it. All right. So you guys have been really successful. Like you built the same way up. And with that comes a lot of privileges in terms of being able to do more for other people. We talk about generosity all the time. Is there anything really cool, anything really generous, anything kind that this has allowed you guys to do now that you've been successful? I've been a part of an organization called Family Reach. 
been a fan of. And, and Angie has been helping me with that as well. And what they do is they help families of kids battling cancer financially. You know, a lot of money goes towards finding cures for cancer. And that's incredible. But when you're a family right now, all you're thinking about is how do I put food on the table? How do I keep the lights on when my kid is sick? So this company and also my previous career as an athlete has, has got me involved with Family Reach, working one-on-one with multiple families and kids. And Angie's been a huge part of that. We've not only supported kids and the families in many journeys, but we've taken them to Disneyland and we've been able to give them really cool experiences. And that lights me up because tomorrow's prompts to no one. And if tomorrow's my last day on this earth, then I hope we did some good. And Angie's been extremely generous with, with family reach as well. And they're just an incredible organization. I, I know where every single dollar goes. I, I know the top people there and I trust them, which is really important, unfortunately, in today's day and age. And um, yeah, I'm just grateful that the organization is, is in our lives. Oh, I love that about you guys. Thanks for sharing that. All right, guys, go to mysoulcbd.com. Use coupon code Chris, get 15% off. Tag us in the show. Angel, make it rain some orange gummies on some of you guys. Again, thanks for being on. Love you guys. You're the best. Bye. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.